some words from one of the songs we sang. When you feel surrounded, surrounded by the things that oppose you, make it difficult for you, remember that the truth is you are surrounded. You are surrounded by God's presence. To me, this is a bit like one of my other professional qualifications. Do you know, the one standing before you today is a professional paddy scuba diver instructor. And, are you okay? Well, you were semi-impressed. <laughs> but, I wonder if you know what scuba means. It stands for self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. And that's the equipment you have. You have air bottles and you have a, a mask to protect your eyes. You've got a regulator with which to breathe, which makes it possible to survive and thrive in an alien environment underwater. Because unless you are a fish, you can't breathe underwater without the aid of scuba. Well, the Holy Spirit has granted us divine scuba equipment. And we can survive and thrive and flourish in an alien environment. Now, this world is alien and foreign to the believer meaning we are foreigners and aliens in the earth in its present form. We're not going anywhere because one day all of this will be ours when God transforms it at the return of Jesus Christ. So this is God's planet. He created Jesus' planet. He died for it, our planet, and we are going to inherit it. We are in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is going to stay. You getting me? Thank you so much. I was talking to the sound man as well. All right. So I am speaking to you on a series entitled Radical Exiles. Not just radical, but radical exiles. In other words, we are radically to survive and thrive and flourish and influence in an otherwise alien and hostile environment called this present world, this present age. I'm speaking from the book of Daniel and I've come to my key verse, Daniel 11.32, on which I will base today's message and the two that are to follow. It says... He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. I choose this key verse because we are called to manifest God's kingdom into the foreign environment called this present earth. 
we are to shine as lights in the dark place. Philippians 2 verses 14 to 16 says, Do all things without grumbling or, or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Crooked and twisted is certainly not a compliment, but it's an accurate description. By crooked, it means out of alignment. Um, twisted, in other words, it's off-center and it's not aligned to God. Anything that's not aligned to God is out of order. It's crooked and it's twisted. But God is going to restore our planet and it's going to be a place where it will come into full alignment with who God is. But in the meantime, it's not an easy place for us to be as believers. It's exactly where we should be. It's exactly where God has sent us. That's why he wants to equip us with everything necessary to flourish and to make a difference. This present evil age is governed by the God of this age, the God of this world, and that's a religious imagery, meaning that he will be influencing through all the different religions. And he is called the prince of this world, which is a political image, meaning that he will influence through all the political institutions. So on this planet, we'll find that all the political institutions and religious institutions will be influenced by the enemy and there's not much else left in life when you've talked about those two things. But God is with us to bless us and sustain us and cause us to flourish. The key thought is how can we receive the sustaining power of the Holy Spirit, all the wisdom that we need and the energy that we need and the, and the knowledge that we need in order to love God truly, deeply and passionately in this present evil age while we are foreigners and exiles. 1 Peter 2.11 describes believers. Peter says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners. That's people who, who live in a strange land, a land that was not where they were not born. They, 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 they are there, but it's, a, it's foreign to them, but they are there, they live there. Exiles, exiles. Daniel was amongst the first of the group of exiles that were taken by the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar in 605 BC, taken from Jerusalem into Babylon to serve in a foreign land, to serve a foreign king with a foreign culture which was in many ways hostile to the Jewish faith. And so we are in exactly the same thing. That's why Paul, Peter says, you are exiles. The word exile means a resident in a foreign land. Sojourners and exiles. And he says, this is how you're to live. Abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. He's giving instruction on how to conduct yourself, how to live in an alien environment. Some Bibles translates this, translate this word as pilgrim. We are pilgrims in a foreign land. Uh, I, I, I prefer exile because... You see, a pilgrim, the idea is, is that you are passing through. But, but an exile is here to stay. We are residents. We're not of the world, but we are in the world. 
We are here to stay. Why? Because it's God's world. He created it. It's Jesus' world and he died for it. It's our world. We're going to inherit it. And the kingdom of God that comes in us and through us and we are part of it will expand and increase until the time comes when all the kingdoms, all the institutions, everything on this planet will belong to God and will manifest his glory as the waters cover the sea. So we are going nowhere. And that's the first thing you need to say to anybody opposing you. We are here to stay. Amen. Are you here to stay? Amen. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm here to go to heaven. Oh, yeah, well, I've got news for you. Heaven was going to come down to the earth with everybody in it. Heaven and earth are going to be joined together. And we're going to live in the new heavens and the new earth where we'll be at home. Righteousness will be at home. God's glory will be splendid. And we will have eternal assignments by God to whatever else is going to happen. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be exciting. So God is calling us to be a generation of thrivers in exile, radical exiles. So we, like Daniel and his three friends, read about in the first six chapters of Daniel, Daniel and his three friends, they knew how to serve God and serve their king without compromising and influencing their community, their society for God. So God wants us to learn how to witness to his sovereign power. I remember a man, an evangelist, a Jewish evangelist, uh, very, very radical. And he, he, he would get himself in places where he had no invitation. He would just walk in and say, I have an appointment with the president. Okay, walk this way. And uh, he had no appointment with the president. The appointment was a divine appointment. So he'd find himself in front of the president. Well, anyway, he gate crashed a, 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 a reception full of ambassadors from all over the Middle East. And they said, oh, we have not met you. Where are you from? Oh, which kingdom? Which, 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 which country? Is it not country? Kingdom. Kingdom. Yes. What kingdom is that? Oh, well, you will hear about it because my kingdom is going to swallow up all of your kingdoms. Ha, 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 ha. And they said, you are funny. Yes, he was more than funny. He was speaking the truth. And so we need not to be ashamed or embarrassed about who we are. We need to know how to behave and what our mission is. But we are going nowhere. Let that confidence come in you. God is in you, part of the kingdom of God. And God's kingdom knows no end. It's the only kingdom worth extending. And it's the only kingdom that shall never, never end. Amen and amen. So, Daniel eleven thirty two. He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. Wow, if ever there was a phrase that needs unpacking, it's this one. Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail on his, in history, but you do need to know that Daniel is prophesying about a certain person by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. Basically, the book of Daniel is divided into two sections. Chapters 1 to 6 is set in Babylon with Daniel and his friends. And he become, becomes, along with the others, the great examples of how to stand firm and flourish and influence when you are in a foreign, alien kind of atmosphere and environment. But after chapter 6, from 7 onwards, it, it changes. 
Daniel no longer becomes a prophet talking to his own people, his own generation. He becomes a prophet far into the future. And he prophesies in this verse of a historical personality who would come onto the scene who would be bad news for God's people, especially those who did not wish to violate their covenant relationship with God, but who wished to remain firm in their commitment to God. His name was Antiochus IV Epiphanes. Epiphanes, he gave himself that name, which means bright, glorious one. But historically, we are told behind his back, they called him Epimenes, which means madman. So uh, to, uh, to his face, oh, great Epiphanes, behind his back, madman. Anyway, that's what happens when all despotic people uh, get too, bit too big for their boots. But what you need to know, around 165 BC, a few hundred years after Daniel was prophesying, Epiphanes finally showed up. And he was a king or a ruler, an influencer in the ancient world that set his sights on becoming great at the expense of God's people in Israel. And one of the things he did was enforce Greek culture. The Babylonians had been and gone, the Greek uh, empire was beginning to flourish and he was going to make everybody bow the knee to the Greek gods and therefore many of the Jewish practices of Jewish faith and religion were outlawed and the people of God were heavily persecuted. Now at such a time as this, you will find that there is two ways of going. One way is cozying up to the new madman on the block and say, oh, we think you're amazing, Epiphanes, Epimenes, Epiphanes, Epimenes. We think you're amazing. And, and one of the strategies of the political influencer would be to win you over and say, oh, I think you're amazing, and start to flatter and start to seduce and to draw you away from your God. Watch it this decade more than previously we will find those who will come alongside us and flatter us and try to draw us away. And we may have the tendency, unless we help one another and form a strong resistance, we will find it easy to move away from pure faith and just say, okay, anything for an easy life and we will be like salt that has lost its saltiness and we will be good for nothing. Let it happen to any one of us, I just put it out there, that this is one of the evil influences that will be released almost like a, a demonic anti-anointing, an anti-Christ, anti-anointing influence. That's why we need to be more connected than ever before. We need to be more faithful in meeting together and building one another up and encouraging one another, more faithful than ever before than digging our roots deeper, deeper, deeper into God, learning more and more about Him, receiving more and more from Him, flourishing in this land of exile, knowing the outcome is going to be glorious. And so this is that man. Let me just a little bit about him. And you will link with this because you've heard, no doubt, of the abomination of desolation. Have you heard about that? It's there in the Bible. And this was the archetypal person who brought it about. 
actually he was so vicious and so disdaining of anything pure by way of worship, not only did he ban Jewish worship in any way, he also invaded the holy temple, took it all over, and imagine this as an insult and a way of polluting and defiling the temple. He offered pig's blood on the holy altar of God to an image of Zeus. I mean, this is what was coming. And we read in history, and, and, and the book of Maccabees talks about it, the Maccabean revolt, when the Jewish people, the faithful ones, stood firm and actually resisted and overthrew such a wicked man. All right, history lesson over. Now bang up to date. Maybe you right now are going through a kind of exile. Not just that general difficulty and hostility that comes from an environment which is very open to all kinds of ideas and practices which are not glorifying to God. But maybe you are going through a particular time of opposition. I'm not asking you to have a persecution complex or to become paranoid, but you do know at times when there is a very strong pressure mounting against you and what you stand for and you begin to think, oh, it might be in your own home. And that can increase unless you have a household of faith. It might be in your place of work or your school or somehow it might be your extended family and you are finding this opposition. And I'm hearing stories more and more of this happening. It seems as if the enemy is now going to try and use all kinds of means to neutralize the people of God so that we'll say, oh dear, we're in exile. It's not our place to say anything. We just have to keep ourselves to ourselves and maybe just have a, have a few holy huddles somewhere and a holy hug or two just so that we can survive from one day to the next. No, 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 no. God is wanting to raise up a group, a generation of radical exiles who know who they are, who know the end of the story, who know we're going to inherit everything. And in the meantime, now we're going to thrive, not just survive. We're going to thrive. We're going to flourish. And we are going to influence our society for God and build for the kingdom here and now. Do you know? Your mission statement for life. Do you have it? Do you have it? Now, a lot of time the, these days we're, we're taught to do that. You go on a business training program or anything like that, and they not only tell you what to do, but they talk a lot about who you are. Because one of the great ideas of the age is that there should be, we should be expressing who we are through our work, through our activity and to try and avoid doing something that we don't really feel called to do. And this is all what's going on in management, not, not, just, in, not just in church life. And, uh, you know, very often, and it's a good thing to review it every, every so often, but there's something that once you get it and get it right, you will never want to review it. What is your mission? 
What is your purpose for being on the planet? It is not to be a good father, a good mother, a good husband, a good employee. All those things are good, but it's not the top of the list. We are here to know God. That's why we're here. God put us on this planet and said, here's your job. I want you to know me. And that's the highest of all things, is the chief end of our human purpose. As a few hundred years ago, a group of theologians got together, the Westminster Assembly, that's not the one that meets in the Houses of Parliament, that's the spiritual one uh, somewhere else. And, and they had a catechism to instruct new believers. And the first question was, what is the chief end of man? Very old, let me put it in. What is our chief purpose as human beings on this planet? And the answer is, the chief purpose of human beings on this planet is to get to know God and to enjoy him forever. Amen. Now that's, a, that's, a, that's attractive, isn't it? I'd put it like this. We are called to get to know God and make him known. To know him and make him known. So anything that you go through, it can be served, to, caused to serve that purpose. You go through a bad time, oh wow, wow, I know a whole lot more about me after that bad time. I know a whole lot more about God and he is faithful. So this is how we understand what our mission is. It's all about knowing God and making him known. But what does it mean to know God? Of course it means knowing Jesus Christ as your personal saviour. One of the most fundamental texts of all of the Bible, uh, John 14 verse 6, I am the way, Jesus said, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It means surrendering your life not just to God in general, generally, but personally to Jesus Christ. And he introduces you to the Father. And it's by the grace of God. You transfer your trust from yourself to Christ and say, I trust you for my salvation. I trust you for my life. But it doesn't end there. After that, we need to know what it means to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. That's essentially what it means to know God. But coming back to, Je to Daniel... I find the word knowledge is used in an intriguing ways, very specific ways. I want to share them with you. The first way the word knowledge is used, it is to do with natural knowledge. Natural knowledge. All right? This will encourage you. Daniel 1 verse 4. Here we have Daniel and his three friends and they were handpicked by the court of Nebuchadnezzar to study in the royal college that they may graduate as top servants in the court of Nebuchadnezzar. Now nothing about that is comfortable. But Daniel and his friends learned how to serve Nebuchadnezzar and the outcome was astonishing. I believe we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. You want me to justify that? Maybe I'll write something online. But 
Nebuchadnezzar came to, to acknowledge the one true and living God of Israel. So it's not comfortable. How do you do that without compromise? Why were they chosen? How, did, how were they promoted? How were they elevated to such a high, privileged, and strategically influential position? Now, if I'm allowed to dream and wish and desire things for your life, if you'll allow me, then it would be this. That you would become the very best that you can become in any place where God has chosen you, which also is your chosen area of life and living and service and ministry. And I'm talking about whether it's business, medicine or anything else. And the way that you grow in those, in those domains is by hard work and learning. Hello? Anybody applying for new courses? Anybody thinking about what am I going to do in the next few years? I'm not going to stay at this level. I'm going to train. I'm going to develop. I'm going to advance. I want to encourage you. Natural knowledge is a good thing. Daniel 1.4 describes them. They were youths without blemish of good appearance. Well, if where I'm standing from, you're all pretty good looking, so you qualify. And you're all young at heart, and I am 25. <laughs> inside, inside. And then it says, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Understanding, learning. Knowledge is a good thing. You want to get ahead, you've got to get ahead. Oh, I think you missed that. To get ahead, you've got to get ahead. All right. So go for it. I don't know. I want to say it again. I had this strong at nine o'clock. It may just be two or three people. Go for it. Come on. Get up to that course. Put yourself out. Put the time in. Improve yourself. Advance. Grow in your profession. Make yourself more qualified than you thought you, you needed to be. Because in that way comes promotion. With promotion comes strategic placement. With strategic placement comes influence. With influence comes the kingdom of God. Amen and amen. Second thing, spiritual knowledge. I don't think it's enough just to have whatever education or training that the world can give you. We need an edge. I want, I want this to be so strong in the 2020s. We need to get an edge. We need to have an edge on our colleagues and our competitors so that God can shine through our lives. Now let me tell you what happened to Daniel. Not only was Daniel working hard and studying and excelling in, in all of his training and all of his knowledge and therefore being promoted, but on top of his own effort and application and hard work, the Holy Spirit came and put a level of supernatural knowledge on above the knowledge that he could get just by books and academic learning and training. What was it? I could use many examples. Daniel 5.12 is one of the most famous ones. Here is a new king. Nebuchadnezzar has come and gone 
The Babylonian Empire has risen and fallen, and now a new Medo-Persian Empire has come, and a new king, Belshazzar. And Belshazzar was an arrogant man, if ever you met one. He was so, so arrogant. Not only did he have great banquets and parties where wine would flow in super, super overabundance, and on one occasion, drunk out of his mind, what can I do now to show how great I am? And look at these Jews here. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Go to get those holy sacred vessels that Nebuchadnezzar stole from the temple and let's drink out of them and let us revel with these holy vessels. And something in heaven shook. And God said, that's enough. And a hand appeared out of nowhere and wrote on the wall. Have you heard the expression, the writing on the wall? That's where it comes from. And the expression was in words that nobody could understand. Mine, mine. Take a passing. Forgive my accent and pronunciation, but the way I said it sounds pretty good enough. Mine, mine, take a And they said, What does this mean? Nobody knew what it meant. And then the king's wife said, she says, always the wives come up with the answers, as if you noticed that. <laughs> it's great to welcome my wife back from the Far East on a, on a ministry visit. So I haven't, I've just seen her briefly, I haven't seen her for two weeks. And she said to the king, Belshazzar, belly boy, there is a man whose Hebrew name is Daniel, his given name here is Belshazzar. And this is what she said of him, Daniel 5, 12. Can you imagine God using you like this? Can you imagine? You better imagine it because it's possible and it's going to happen. Daniel 5, 12. Because an excellent spirit, knowledge, that spiritual knowledge here, and understanding, to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel whom the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called and he will show the interpretation. I think they regretted it when he came and translated the writing on the wall. But my point is this. In addition to his natural knowledge, God gave him spiritual knowledge. And wouldn't it be amazing if it was known in your company, you may be way, way, way down in the ranking, but way, way up the top, there's a man or woman who knows what you have and says, you know what? That person, Daniel, down there in the basement, that person, that person, there's something about that person. That person has wisdom. That person has spoken into this company. Bring him here. What is the answer that you have? I know a real life story of a man from um, Norway who was very skilled in computer graphics and CGI. 
CGI, Computer Generated Images. Is, am I right, Scotty? Thank you very much. Look it up on the internet and just check. All right. And so he had an opportunity to go to Hollywood, I believe, wherever, wherever it was, I believe it was there, uh, and to work on a Star Wars movie. Because there's a lot of CGI on those movies. I know you don't go to movies, but just pretend that you know what I'm talking about. And if you pretend that you're pretending, I know that you really aren't pretending, so we're all right. And there was a whole sequence that was filmed and produced, and it was totally out of focus. And so they called a meeting of all the technicians together, and the producer and the director were there, and they were tearing their hair out. We are just going to add millions to our budget. It's going to take us so long to do this. What are we going to do? We don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. I wasn't there, and I'm dramatizing, so it probably didn't happen quite this way, but the elements of the story is true, and no animals were harmed in the making of this illustration. <laughs> and my friend, put his finger, uh, excuse me, excuse me, what? I, I, I have the answer. You have the answer? Well, let's hear. And now, this Bible-believing Christian on the periphery of production was now suddenly center stage, and he said, the solution is this. You want to know what the solution is, don't you? Too complicated. I didn't get it when they explained it to me, but that's enough to say that it was a solution. It was a simple solution, and they didn't have to spend one day further on production. That was God. That was God. And so if we are diligent and faithful in adding to our knowledge and preparing ourselves naturally as best as we possibly can, God will do the rest and on your efforts. He will place his supernatural effort and you will get to places you would never get to before because you desire to know God. Amen. Am I inspiring you? I want to inspire you to, to, to desire, to aspire, to achieve, to go forward and to stay faithful to God and he will give you what you cannot have of your own and you could be so strategic. You will never know until you really allow God to take over. So knowledge is natural knowledge. Then let's say spiritual knowledge or supernatural knowledge. But when Daniel says, those who know God shall remain firm, he is, I'm sure, talking about those things that I've just mentioned, but he's talking about something else much more specific. If we go back to the verse, 1132, the answer is right here. Let me point it out to you. He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant, but the people who know their God. So knowing God is the opposite of violating his covenant. It may, means being loyal to the covenant we have with God. So knowing God, it's about covenant loyalty. Now I think that's a beautiful way of opening up to, to us this subject today. So, uh, a few hundred years before Daniel, not in 
Judah, but in Israel, which was the northern kingdom of the time, a prophet in the 8th century by the name of Hosea. Hosea. And he was big on this, very big on this. Hosea verse, chapter 4 verse 1 says, Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. That word controversy is technical language for a covenant lawsuit, a breach of contract lawsuit. So God says, you have broken my covenant and I have a controversy with you. I am now pressing legal charges over you because you have broken the agreement. That's what it is. Controversy with inhabitants of the land. And how did they break it? It says, there is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. In other words, knowledge of God is knowing Him and serving Him. Knowing God Himself. It's not enough just to know about God. If you don't know God, it doesn't matter how much you know about Him, you still have never met Him. I may know, I don't, but I may know a great deal about Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. I've watched documentaries, and it's fascinating. I don't know a great deal, but I've never met her. And I cannot say I know her, although if Her Majesty is listening, <laughs> I'm very ready. Now that's a very good, strong point to make. There are people who aren't even believers who know more about the Bible than you or I. There are people who study theology who don't know God but know more about Him than we'll ever know. It's not enough to know about Him, you have to get to know Him. But don't think it is nothing to do with knowing about Him. All right, I'm going to do it. It didn't go down well in the nine o'clock service. People thought I was ever so unspiritual, but I don't mind. All right, let's think about speed dating. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I see that hand. I see that hand. I know nothing about this apart from watching television and documentaries because... I wouldn't call a man on I speed dating after 40 years if that, we, so there's been no need for 40 years. And before that I was too, my head was too much in the clouds. But the principle of speed dating, so I am told, is you have 10 minutes with one person and then move on 10 minutes with another person and so on. And after you've been around the tables a little while, you say, okay, well, Yes, yes, no, no, maybe, or I'm getting the heaven out of here, or one of, one of those things. So suppose you are at a speed dating evening, and you had 10 minutes with a stranger. Uh, what would you talk about? 
First of all, I guess, let's get this out of the way. It's the elephant in the room. First of all, there'll be a question of, is there any attraction there? That, that's something that you may know instantly, and that's, so we've dealt with that, so let's get the elephant out of the room. Now, the first thing you want to know is, what is your name? Where are you from? Um, what are your interests? So you get to know them by getting to know about them, yes? So don't think that it's wrong to get to know about God because getting to know about him is your introduction to who he is that you may go deeper with him in your relationship with him. And you can imagine if Amanda and I, after 40 years of marriage, I didn't know where she was born, I didn't know the name of her family, if I didn't know her story, if I didn't know anything, I just, but I know you, where am I from? I don't know. What color are my eyes? I don't know. What's my favorite color? Don't know. Where do I go shopping? I know because I see the credit card bills. No, I don't. <laughs> what? So why do we make this false distinction? The Bible is full of information about God that we might discover more and more about Him. And if you're ever attracted to anybody, if you ever are drawn to somebody, you want to know everything that is possible to know about that person. And indeed, one of the telltale signs that you are in love with someone is not only that you are talking always about them, but you know everything about them, almost to the point of embarrassment and certainly self-experience exposure. Oh, you're very interested in such and such a person. And the Bible is the source of knowledge. I don't understand people who close their Bibles and say, I want to know God. You want to know God? Open the Bible. There are 66 love letters written by God for you, telling you about himself, revealing himself to you, and telling you a lot about yourself in relation to him. Larry Crabb's book, 66 Love Letters. Get it if you could order it in the bookshop. And so, of course, it's knowing him through knowing about him, who he is, and what he's done for you. It's discovery. Brendan, the great missionary to the north in the Middle Ages, found a king in the era of the Picts and Scots. And this king said, if I believe your gospel and become Christ's man, what will I find? And Brandon, the great missionary to the north, said, you will stumble upon wonder, upon wonder, and every wonder true. Oh, what an amazing life we have if we dedicate it to knowing Him, experiencing Him, experiencing what He's done for you. You know, amazingly, the Bible is full of such extraordinary revelation about who we are and what our position is in Christ. And most of us live way, way below the level of who we really are. And so it is more than just knowing theoretically that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. It means stepping up to the, into the throne room and taking your place seated next to Jesus Christ in that position of authority and peace and influence and joy and fulfillment. Can I have an amen in the house of God? <laughs> and 
I'm going to finish by bringing it right back to, to the fundamental. Covenant knowledge comes from covenant love in which he sets his love upon us and so fully commits himself to us that he is willing to pay the supreme price that we might be in relationship with him. If you want to know what love is, look at the cross. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the one who is the sacrifice for our sins that establishes the open relationship in which us former sinners can come before God and be accepted as sons and daughters of the King of Kings. And that love is the basis for everything. And covenant response, covenant loyalty, covenant faithfulness is a response to the revelation of God's love in your heart. And the deeper you go in knowledge, the deeper you go in love. And the deeper you go in radical obedience, the deeper you go in the radical love of God. Responding to his love, his grace, his knowledge of you by loving him, serving him, being faithful even when it hurts and doing what he wants by saying, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done.